There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hope you are all well, witches. On today's episode, our book review is Wayward, written by Amelia Hart. I feel so happy that this book review coincides with our episode today, all about the witches' familiar, because this book has a lot to do with all creatures, great and small. I've read some of the best witchy books ever recently. Again, this book is a whole five out of five for me. I loved it. It's up there with The Witches of Vardo from last week's episode and The Secret History of Witches, another one of my faves. At present, I think these are my three favourite witchy fiction books and I don't know how I'm going to top them. To read two outstanding books back to back like this one and The Witches of Vardo is amazing. This is the book's blurb. Kate, 2019. Kate flees London, abandoning everything for Cumbria and Wayward Cottage, inherited from her great aunt. There, a secret lurks in the bones of the house, hidden ever since the witch hunts of the 17th century. Violet, 1942. Violet is more interested in collecting insects and climbing trees than in becoming a proper young lady, until a chain of shocking events changes her life forever. Alpha, 1619. Alpha is on trial for witchcraft, accused of killing a local man. Known for her uncanny connection with nature and animals, she is a threat that must be eliminated. But wayward women belong to the world, and they cannot be tamed. Weaving together the stories of three women across five centuries, Wayward is an enthralling novel of female resilience and the transformative power of the natural world. I think I enjoyed reading about Violet the most in this book, as I particularly love anything set around the 40s. Her original background was very Downton Abbey. I absolutely love any setting like that. All three characters you really could become invested in within this book. I cried some happy tears at one point of reading this book, so I really was invested and moved by the outcomes. I absolutely love the setting for the story. The cottage in this book was somewhat eerie, but I would have moved there in a heartbeat for the garden. I loved the characters' relationships with nature and the animals. 
Violet has a real thing for insects in this book. There is one of the most terrifying scenes linked to insects, but also lots of beautiful ones. This book made me crave to get my hands in the soil and connect to nature in my garden, reading about the characters. The raven plays a part in this book as the witch's familiar, something that we will discuss on today's episode. And again, it felt fitting that this book coincided with this episode. Alpha is a wise woman who puts together medicine from the plants in the garden that the other two women end up having knowledge of as a result of her being educated enough to be able to document and pass down the female lineage, knowledge of their abilities and also remedies they are likely to need. I need to issue a trigger warning and state there is a rape scene in this book along with related aftermath issues that could be traumatic. This was a big part of one of the characters' tale. But again, I'm really sensitive to anything like this in a book. I did okay with this, but you should know. These are three incredibly strong women who battle three horrendous situations in their lifetime that I must say are sadly very common to women throughout the course of time myself included. So I could empathize, but not feel broken by reading about it. I do consider myself a proud, wayward woman after reading this book. I must admit, I'm currently reading another book after this book that is by no means as good. It's incredibly saddening, so my quest continues to find others that are equally as good. Before we get into the main topic of our episode on The Witch's Familiar... A small section on the familiar is from my new book, The Hedge Witch's Broomstick, that I've just released in the last couple of days. The Hedge Witch's Broomstick finishes up the Wheel of the Years Ins that I've been creating since early 2022. Overall, this book is really a celebration of spring and the craft. We look at the hot cross bun and their incredibly ancient origins and links to the goddesses, eggs, their law, and how to work with them in your craft at any time of the year. This sin focuses on the element of air, how you can work with this element within your ritual and spell work, different air altar tools, and then this brings us to the besom, how and why you might want to work with one in your practice, how to craft a traditional besom, law related to the besom, and how to consecrate, feed, and care for one. We trawl through the history of the witch's familiar and delve into how and why you may wish to work with one, how you can find your familiar within the astral realm and build a relationship with them. We look at the raven, owl and hare in detail and how they relate to the witch and the craft. This in also details shape-shifting goddesses who favoured the form of animals such as Ariane Rod, the Celtic star and moon goddess, and Rhiannon. We look at the creation of the Mabinogion and how it changed the goddess's depiction and reverence throughout the course of time. We finish off with a trip to the woods, looking at forest witchery, plants and trees of the woods, their lore, medicine and magic properties, and a look at the green man. 
peppered throughout the book are beautiful illustrations, spells, journal prompts and tarot oracle spreads that can be used throughout the year. And as a green hedge witch, I'm proud to say that this sin is printed on recycled paper. They are just £8 each and I will put a link in the show notes if you would like to order one. I also have on my Etsy store the Hedge Witch's Garden which talks about Beltane if you are getting yourself ready for the next Sabbath of our witch's year. But for now, join me after the break where we look at the witch's familiar. Witches have long been known for their deep affinity with nature and all its creatures, both wild and tame, often taking on a role of guardian and protector to all manner of beings. A witch's familiar takes on the role of the witch's protector, acting as the first line of defence against any magical or malevolent energies that seek to work against the witch all the while acting as an aid to support and develop the witch's magical workings. I sense you may be wearing a look of confusion upon your face as you glance over to perhaps your cat, dog or furry friend that is perhaps stretched out sleeping in front of the fire or licking their paws, contemplating how they might have this ability. Whilst there is no denying all animals are particularly magical, we are going to examine the familiar as an entity within the astral plane. For now, let us begin with understanding the history of the witch's familiar. During the medieval times, we begin to see the cat and the witch closely intertwined with one another. This is believed to have originated with the ancient pagan reverence for the cat in particular. The Christian church ruled it illegal to practice the old ways and the cat quickly became demonised and considered an animal the witch would shapeshift into in order to carry out their malevolent deeds under the cloak of darkness. The cat is, of course, a nocturnal creature, which supported this belief. Let us not even mention what they thought about their eyes that glowed like the moon. Cat ownership soon declined in fear of being accused of being a witch. A method used by witch hunters to identify a witch was through her association with a cat, especially a black one. If we look to the familiar of the medieval age, we will see them first in quite a bleak form, but stay with me. The witch's familiar of these times was considered a form of demon, imp, spirit of a person deceased, fairy, or even the devil himself. Traditional law stated a witch would gain a familiar through either inheriting one from another witch upon her demise, or from the devil himself. Alternatively, the familiar would appear magically from the ether to the witch in a time of great need. A wise witch would know the manifestation of this creature came at a price. 
Once in their possession, the witch would be responsible for feeding the familiar. We are not talking kitty biscuits either. Witch hunters speculated that the familiar was said to suckle blood from the witch's finger or an available nipple-like bump on her body, which made it ever so easy for the witch hunters to easily ascertain who had a familiar and was a witch when it came to seeking out the devil's mark. The witch hunters also believed that along with the familiar drinking the witch's blood, so did the devil upon his nighttime visits to enjoy sexual relations with her. Any babes born from these trysts were said to drink blood from the witch's teat too. I fear things reached a dark point in our look at the familiar, but I promise things hereon can only get better. Before we move forward in time, let's go even further back to consider the name familiar and its origins. Said to originate from the Latin word for servant, famulus. In ancient Greece, there was the idea of the demon, a spirit that would guide an individual's actions. This is demon spelled D-A-E-M-O-N. Even Socrates claimed to possess his own demon, The familiar was most often seen in this form. Others considered them a personal angel or fairy. The concept of the animal familiar was documented in the Malleus Maleficarum, a text from the late 15th century that outlined how to identify and persecute witches in the Middle Ages. And I can assure you it does not make for good bedtime reading. Throughout the historical texts, cats, mice, ferrets and toads were recorded as the most typical animal form of familiar. Some were more unusual beasts, an amalgamation of many different animals or a form of demon that could take on the appearance of any creature. So where is the truth in the familiar itself? How and why might we today want to consider having one? Firstly, let me reassure you, no blood need be spared to feed one. However, some witches do believe they require an exchange of energy in some form. Should you find yourself working with a familiar in the astral realm, you may wish to leave offerings upon your altar in the physical realm. You can also honour them through symbols, statues or animal bones laid upon your altar, ethically found of course. The familiar is believed to be a symbiotic relationship rather than pet and master. The familiar will assist the witch's magical workings, spy on others for information, act as a lookout fetch ingredients for a spell and act as a messenger in the astral realm. They are also said to contact deities, protect the witch from curses, evil spirits and negative energy whilst guiding and teaching the witch within their craft. Today we are going to look at two versions of the familiar, the raven and the owl. So let's move on to the raven who makes an appearance in the book Wayward that we discussed on our book review. The raven's spiritual meanings are courage, life without fear, messenger from another realm, wisdom, transformation, 
divinity, rebirth, crafty, keeper of secrets, change, magic is present, recovery, renewal, reflection, healing, freedom, divination, secret knowledge, and death. Signifies moving through transitions smoothly by casting light into the darkness. Raven as a spirit animal can indicate you benefit from working with tools and are quick to pick up how to use them. You are an individual who continually discovers new hidden depths to your soul, which you harness to balance out your power. As a spirit animal, raven can also mean you are crafty, proactive, playful, inventive and responsible. Should raven appear in your dreams, it can indicate some misfortune within your life or alternatively reflect your personal wisdom. The raven's appearance in your dreams can be the call for you to work equally within your inner world and the other world. Raven is considered one of the oldest and wisest of animals. Their intelligence is renowned and they've been proven to hold the ability to recognise individual humans. If harmed by a human, they will remember you. Ravens can provide us with insight into our own consciousness, along with a heightened awareness. Raven can support us as we move through transformation in our life. Divination links heavily to the raven. Even their cawing sound has a crass, crass sound. And this is often linked to the Latin word crass. That translates to tomorrow. The raven is said to reveal omens, signs, and foretell the future, along with keeping secrets and acting as a messenger. Odin is sometimes referred to as Harafnagud, the god of the ravens. He was always accompanied by two ravens, Hugin, meaning power of thought, and Munin, meaning the ability to intuit. Both ravens would take flight throughout the day across the world, deliver messages and return at end of day to report back to Odin all their discoveries from their journeys. In Norse shamanic tradition, Hugin and Munin represented telepathy, clairvoyance, the powers of necromancy and acted as guides to the dead. Odin's daughters, the Valkyries, would shapeshift into ravens at will. Hugin and Munin, every day, they fly over earth ground. I fear for Hugin that he may not return, but even more I fear for the loss of Munin. That is the poetic Edda poem, Grimnismal. Daughters of great pagan Dane and Viking kings and warriors would sew the symbol of the raven onto banners for their ships, to honour Odin and to bring good luck to their voyages. The Morrigan and the Raven are often associated for the Morrigan favoured shape-shifting into the Raven or a flock of Ravens. The Morrigan and the Raven are both closely linked to foretelling the future. 
that Morrigan considered a remarkable prophetess would often take the raven's form over battlefields as chooser of the slang. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Should you witness the raven facing the direction of a clouded sun, this is said to foretell hot weather. To see the raven preening means rain is on its way. Ravens flying at one another is an omen for war. Closely linked to the banshee, the raven is also a harbinger of death. For should the raven peck at your window with his beak, this is said to be an omen of death. Should he call in close proximity to your home, it is said there will be the death of someone within it. And for the raven to fly around the chimney or roof of a home containing a sick person, this was said to indicate that they would die. The banshee is said to shapeshift into the raven's form, like the morrigan, as was the goddess and sorceress Morgan Le Fay, who was considered queen of the fairies. She was seen by many as the queen of the dovshi, meaning dark fairies, who were masters of mischief that often opted to take the form of the raven. The raven is the largest of the birds in the Corvidae, Corvini family. They are closely related to crows, rooks and jackdaws within the Corvidus subspecies. Their more distant cousins include the magpie and the jay. The raven can be distinguished from the crow as they are usually larger in size, calmer in nature and the crow is said to be louder. Ravens tend to land in a more stable, grounded fashion. The crow demonstrates a more nervous energy, I can relate, often flipping their wings upon landing. Upon flight, the raven's tail is more wedge-shaped to that of the crow. Considered following many institutional studies to be adaptable, flexible, and possess the highest mental development amongst avian species. Within captivity, they have even been known to be taught to speak. In the wild, their lifetime can span over 30 years. Diet-wise, they are omnivores who will kill if needed for food. They tend to favour scavenging and will eat dead cattle, rabbits, rodents, fish, smaller nesting birds, eggs, insects, 
shellfish, seeds, berries and grains. They are known to hide food in order to return to it later. The wolf and raven often work together to secure food. The raven alerting the wolf to potential prey and the wolf allowing them to partake in eating the kill. They have also been known to play with one another. The raven swooping down at the wolf who will playfully chase them. In Christianity, ravens were regarded contradictorily, I can never say the word, either considered as the soul of witches and evil priests, or that witches and the devil could shapeshift into the raven. Yet they were also seen by others in a positive light, symbolic of the solitude of the holy hermit, a protector of prophets and helper of saints. Noah was said to curse the raven for failing to deliver news of the impending floods. The Welsh god Bran the Blessed had the raven as his totem animal. Bran was decapitated during a battle with Ireland, following which his head became an oracle and Bran requested his head be buried in what is now Tower Hill in London. To this day, Bran's ravens are kept at Tower Hill, both Bran's head and the ravens considered protection for Britain from invasion. Tower Hill was bombed during the Second World War. Sadly, the ravens were lost as a result. Winston Churchill ensured all ravens were replaced from the Scottish Highlands and Welsh Hills, direct from the Celtic lands, knowing their importance according to ancient myth. The Bran novices or raven folk were an ancient Celtic clan once in existence in Britain. Scottish Highlanders believed the raven held a second sight. In the Hebrides, an ancient custom was to give your child his first drink from the skull of a raven. This would provide the child with powers of prophecy and wisdom. Celtic and Druid healers would use the spirit of the raven to send healing to someone at distance. You may wish to include the spirit of the raven within any healing energy work that you carry out for friends or family who are long distance from you. For direct energy work with someone who is ill, utilise raven feathers to cleanse and draw out negative energy from their body. Cleanse and shake out the feathers following. Raven energy holds much powerful medicine. The owl has been woven into myths and legends of witches, goddesses and sorcery throughout many different cultures. This mysterious creature of the night has been considered an omen of death, a bringer of prophecy, a sign of evil to come, but overall symbolic of witchcraft, deep wisdom, inner knowledge esoteric knowledge, magic, transformation, rebirth, renewal, change, birth, death, new beginnings with a higher understanding and evolved perspective, connecting and listening to our intuition, 
medicine, the weather, the energy of the night and moon, and feminine intuition. A belief in Europe during the Middle Ages was of witches taking the form of owls in order to access the astral realm or if they needed to escape dangerous situations quickly. Demons were also believed to take the form of owls to work on behalf of their witches' whims or join them on nighttime flights upon their brooms. Charms used to protect from the owl in a malevolent form were throwing salt into the fire, tying knots into a handkerchief and turning your pockets inside out. Long considered an omen of death, Julius Caesar's murder was said to be heralded by the screeching of multiple owls. Many other emperors' deaths were also believed to be announced by the shriek of the owl, I can't say the word owl without thinking of the episode of Phone Shop when he goes on about the girl that's got an owl tattoo. And the way he says it, it kind of reminds me about how I say it because he says she had an owl tattoo, you know, and I just always think about it whenever I think about the owl. It's one of those ones you had to watch it, but you must watch that program. It is so funny. Anyway, back to Roman emperors. A Roman custom was to nail an owl to the door of a house to keep evil away. That's lovely. This tradition continued in many countries. In Great Britain, this practice continued into the 1950s, where owls would be nailed to barn doors to act as a ward, protecting cattle from fire, lightning, thunder and storms. How did that work out for you? Genuinely, that's ridiculous. William Shakespeare wrote of the owl as a premonition of death in both Macbeth and Julius Caesar. Throughout Europe, the owl was generally seen as a harbinger of doom and bad tidings, and this was surmised upon in many plays and poems. The root of much superstition related to the owl is as a result of their nocturnal nature a carnivorous animal that possesses a warrior energy when required, considered by some as the eagle of the night. Their ability to rotate their necks 360 degrees lent to an English myth that should you see an owl perched in a tree walking around the tree, the owl would follow you with its eyes until it wounds up wringing its own neck. An owl circling during the day was considered an omen for bad news for someone nearby. The hoot of an owl, an omen of death, illness or bad weather. The owl is connected to the Sabbath of Samhain, where it is said that upon Samhain night, owls would swoop down to eat the souls of the dead. Appalachian Mountain legend Tales of owls hooting at night signifying death is coming. So I read that some of Appalachian tradition can be traced back to the Scottish Highlands, where the owl is closely linked to the Kaliak, the primordial Celtic goddess. So this is from the Druid Animal Oracle by Philip Cargom. Because the owl is sacred to the goddess in her crone aspect, one of its many Gaelic names is, I'm going to butcher this, Kaliak Oich, which means crone of the night. 
The barn owl is Kaliak Oich Gil, white old woman of the night. The Kaliak is the goddess of death and the owl's call was often sensed as an omen that someone would die. Celtic folklore speaks of the owl's ability to unmask or provide you with wisdom of those who are attempting to deceive or take advantage of you. In Celtic texts, the owl generally appeared as female in all white and linked to the crone aspect of the goddess. Bloodwed, an otherworldly Celtic goddess, was turned into an owl as penance for the attempted murder of her husband. The owl's soft feathers enable it to fly swiftly and silently through the night. Historically, in Great Britain, owls represented death and negative energy. Therefore, their feathers would be used to repel death and unpleasant energies. Witches today are more inclined to incorporate naturally found owl feathers in magic work relating to knowledge, wisdom and mental pursuits. Shamanic perspective of the owl is that they represent intuition, change, revelation, wisdom and death. The shamanic aspect of death is considered the highest spiritual state to be attained for it represents the death of the ego which leads to spiritual ascension. Our energy can lead us to deep subconscious transformation, death of a part of our ego that can help us to reach a higher version of ourselves. They can help us with change, uncovering truths that we need to face, whilst understanding, although it is hard, it can lead us to a higher reality and deep wisdom of who we truly are. Owls can show up for us in true physical form or perhaps as statues, symbols and images to give us a sign. Perhaps sit in darkness and silence and ask your spirit guide, deities, ancestors, angels or the universe what sign they are trying to present to you if you frequently see the owl. Owls can indicate we need to work on our shadow selves or shadow work in order to expose something in our subconscious that remains hidden. Maybe new revelations about ourselves, healing from past trauma, connecting with our purpose within this lifetime and learning the truth of who we really are. To see an owl is considered truly lucky. Consider them not as an omen of literal death, but more like the death card within tarot, the indication that you are about to embark on significant change that will lead you on a path to your own truth. To see them frequently may mean they are guiding you as a power animal. They often show up when you are asked to listen to your intuition, or they can assist us in accessing messages from the spirit realm that can align us with our higher self and offer up new perspective to a situation. The owl has long been considered a messenger between the living and the dead, so may also make themselves known to you if you are working on your psychic skills. Owl energy relates to deep subconscious transformation and can help us to release what is no longer serving us. 
asks us to be adaptable, allow change, and to look inside ourselves for the answers we seek. Also to be aware of possible deception on the part of others. Owl asks that we have the ability to look behind others' masks and acts as a messenger of secrets and omens. Owl can also teach us to seek out freedom, comfort in our shadow, and work with the magic of the moon. Dreaming of an owl is said to advise you to be more cautious and observant, but also heralds you could be called to awaken to your true nature and strength. In ancient times, the feathers of owls were used by healers to lull people to sleep. A common familiar to the witch, the owl is closely linked to goddesses such as Athena, Arianrod, and Bloodwed. Athena, the Greek goddess of wisdom, originally possessed a crow who was a terrible trickster. She banished the crow to seek out a more suitable animal companion. Finding herself with an owl, she was enamoured with the owl's seriousness and wisdom. The owl that specifically represents Athena is called the Little Owl or Athene Noctura and became the animal that would represent the goddess. Coins were minted with Athena's face on one side and an owl on the other. The owl gained protection status in Athens due to its association with Athena and Greek armies adopted it as a sign of inspiration. They also believed should an owl fly over the army prior to battle, it was an omen of imminent victory to them. Athena's little owl would perch on her shoulder and had the ability to light up Athena's blind side, revealing to her unseen truths and helped the goddess to expand her natural wisdom. That's all I have for you today, witches. Thank you for joining me. Before I go, I just want to quickly let you know about the Night of the Fae. This is a Zoom gathering that we have over on Patreon for Thursday, 20th of April at 7.30pm UK time. We are going to be talking about our personal encounters for those of us that have seen the Fae. We're going to be talking about fairy folklore and fairy witchcraft. If you would like to come along for that, there will be a link in the show notes. You can join up to Patreon for just £6 a month. And not only do you get to attend this event, you will get a ton of other witchy content, Patreon podcast episodes and our witchy community. But for now, sending you lots and lots of witchy love. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.